Hi, this is Legend. I'm Sam. I'm Amy. And we are a podcast about cryptids, urban legends, and the paranormal. Whoop. So we are both going on trips. Heck yeah, we are. Yep. Do you want to tell them where you're going? Not really. (laughs) I'm going to Missouri. The super fun flat place. And I'm very going... green place. Not really. It's already started to get cold and stuff there. So everything's already starting to die. Oh, well, I'm actually during the summer. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's not summer. <laughs> I'm going to finally meet this. Uh, I guess it would be my second cousin. If. My dad's sister's daughter had a baby. That would make it my second cousin, right? Yes. Yep. Yep. I get to meet it. And then I also get to, you know, see my grandma and my aunt and my cousin and all that fun stuff. I get to meet it. (laughs) Babies. Babies are it. Babies. All right. And then spend some time in Kansas City. And spend some time with my parents. It's going to be super duper. You ever miss Kansas City? I feel like you would constantly. I miss first Fridays and I miss worlds of fun. Yeah. I really miss worlds of fun. And I miss the edge of hell and beast and first Fridays. I know I already said it, but I really miss first Fridays. (laughs) Well, I missed them for you. I wasn't really <laughs> there for those. No. I did no. go to one first Friday. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And that was fun. We just wandered around and went to art galleries. Yeah. And a bookstore. Yeah. A really cool bookstore. Yeah. I am going to New York for my trip the week after Amy. That sounds way more fun. Um. <laughs> I mean, it will be. I'm really excited. I'm seeing one of my favorite people, my grandma. So that is really exciting. But honestly, well, I don't want to say I'm more excited for it because I'm very excited <laughs> to see my grandma. But I'm really excited to see the kids fly because they are really, really excited for it. And we got them their own suitcases and everything. So they're all just way excited to fly. And I think be little professionals. Yeah. And I think that's the most like exciting thing is to see them be excited for something. So other than that, I don't really know what we're doing while we're there. So I can't tell you anything specific. We're seeing my grandma. And trick-or-treating. And trick-or-treating because we'll be there for Halloween, (laughs) which I didn't even realize when I got the plane tickets. (laughs) I don't know how you don't realize that. Halloween is like the day there's no day more important so you see that number in there and you're like that's halloween well that's the thing is i didn't really see the number in there i was like i need to go from this date to this date and forgot all the dates in the middle of those two dates (laughs) (laughs) anything towards the end of october should just scream halloween i know once i hit the november 1st button i should have been like oh wait that's a sad day. Yeah. <laughs> the first time I flew, this is, you're 
excitement reminded me the first time I flew, I was like 11 or 12 and we were flying to Maryland. I wasn't 12. I was like 10 or 11, 11. You know, it's so crazy. All the things that I don't know, like we have similar and not similar. You know that I've been to Maryland because you lived in Maryland and I was like, holy cow, I've been there. I know. And were you, you were there. No, you weren't there because you were 11 or 12. And yeah. I moved to Italy when I was 10. But it's just interesting because, you know, well, it's a. I could have been there while you were there because you are a whole year younger than me. So if you left when you were 10 and I got there when I was 11. True. Depending on what time in the year. I didn't even think of that. Mm-hmm. But it's just so it's like it's Maryland. Like. Missouri, Maryland. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. It's because just my mom had to get special surgery on her arm. That's another story for another day. But back to me flying, I read the little pamphlet in the back of the seat, and it's like for like crash landings and stuff, assume this oh, position good. where you bend over and you put your head between your knees. And so I did that every time the plane would take (laughs) off and land. (laughs) I was like, "Mm, just in case. (laughs) Your mom's like, uh, hello. Yeah, they probably thought it was hilarious. A little emu child. Get up here. I wasn't emo yet. Not emo. Emu. Oh, I got you because I'm putting my head in between. Yeah, I get it. I got it. An emo emu. No, I was emo much later, like four <laughs> years later. <laughs> oh, I no, I wasn't. You. No, it was only like two or three years later. You were cute, though. <laughs> in your emo face. I had the worst dye job. <laughs> That's the story of my entire life. <laughs> Anyway, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Well, today we have two for the price of one. Ooh. The first one is on my to-do list for my future spooky trip to Salem, Massachusetts. That I'm going to. That you are invited to. Yes. (laughs) We're talking about the House of Seven Gables. Have you ever heard anything about it? I know the name, but I do not know a single thing about it. And for some reason, I didn't think it was a real place. I thought it was a book place. Well, it's a real place and a book place. And I didn't know anything about it either. I just saw it and thought it was pretty and wanted to go there. (laughs) (laughs) That's always good. Not only... Is this a book by Nathaniel Hawthorne, meaning book place? <laughs> okay. Okay. I was right. Yeah. But it's also a haunted house, a physical house. Did you read Scarlet Letter in school? Nope. What? You didn't read the Scarlet Letter? Don't you know my curse? Every time I had to read a good book in school, I switched schools. So I never read any of the books that everyone else read. I had to read those on my own time when I graduated. Okay. Did you read it when you graduated? Nope. Okay. Well, 
it was probably one of the few books that I actually read that was assigned to me in school. I think like this and The Outsiders Mm -hmm. might be about it. The Outsiders (laughs) and Where the Red Fern Grows were the only two books I got to read in school. I didn't read the Red Fern one either. (gasps) Have you read that one? Did I? Is that about dogs? Yeah, two dogs. Oh, maybe I did. I did. Okay. Maybe. That one will make you sob. I saw that at a used bookstore and I had to buy it because I loved that book. Now I can't remember if I read it or if I spark notes it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway, I remember the Scarlet Letter being really good, but I can't remember the ending. And I let someone in Missouri borrow my copy of it about 10 years ago and I can't remember who it was but Uh if they're listening to this I want my book back (laughs) not nice to keep it no don't steal literature as I mentioned a moment ago the house of seven gables is located in Salem Massachusetts it was built in 1668 by a merchant ship captain, John Turner I, and his wife, Elizabeth Robinson Turner. Three generations of the Turner family lived in the house until 1782, when the house was sold to Captain Samuel Ingersoll. Captain Ingersoll died at sea, and his daughter, Susanna Ingersoll, inherited the house. Mm-hmm. Susanna is Nathaniel Hawthorne's cousin. Oh, okay. On July 4th, 1804, Nathaniel Hawthorne was born in Salem, Massachusetts. His parents were Elizabeth Manning and Captain Nathaniel Hawthorne. Captain Hawthorne got yellow fever while out at sea and passed away. Oh, that sucks. Seems like there's a theme. (laughs) After that, the family continued to live in Salem for about four years and then moved to Maine. He returned after graduating from Bowdoin, Bowdoin, Bowdoin. I don't know. It says D-B-O-W-D-O-I-N. B-O-W what? D-O-I-N. So if I just read it like I read things randomly, it would be Bowdoin. (laughs) (laughs) Baldwin. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is, Baldwin. Sure, we'll go with that. It's in Maine. All right. While living in Salem, he visited his cousin in the House of Seven Gables, and the spark was lit for a book that he would later publish about in 25 years. Wow. Throughout his life, he kept moving away from Salem and almost always came back. I don't blame him. <laughs> Two fun facts about Nathaniel Hawthorne. One, he met Abe Lincoln. And two, he was buried in Sleepy Hollow Cemetery in Concord, Massachusetts after his death May 19th, 1864 at 59 years old. Wow. Yep. That's young. But Sleepy Hollow, that's cool. (laughs) The book was published in 1851. The setting was mid-19th century in Salem, Massachusetts. Though that's not actually where it starts. Are you sleepy or are you crying? I have something in my eyeball. (laughs) I'm like, all of a sudden I'm like, hold your eyeball open, look down, and blink. That might have worked. 
think that worked. It always works for me. My dad taught me that. Thank you, Amy. So <laughs> it starts 160 years earlier during the Salem witch trials. There was a man named Matthew Mall who purchased some land and built a house with an amazing view. There was another man, Colonel Pinchian. He was jealous and wanted the place for his own. And he so- wanted to pinch them? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Sorry. So he helped to get Matthew Mall convicted of witchcraft. At the gallows, Matthew cursed Colonel Pinchin before being hanged. I'm really not sure I'm saying his name right. But I say How is this one such spelled? confidence. P-Y-N-C-H-E-O-N. Pinchon. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Colonel Pinchin. <laughs> is found dead after moving into his new home the home of matthew mall was he hit murdered or nope he just passed away he like choked on his own blood oh the curse was about uh him eating blood or something like that i don't remember it's uh similar to something we're going to talk about in a second though okay then we jump to the present 1851, where you learn about how the house is progressively decaying in the reflection of the family's poor behaviors. The current inhabitant is Hepzibah. She ends up having to open the small shop in the house so that she can survive. I think Hepzibah and Mitzpah from the last episode would have been good <laughs> friends. Yeah, they would have been. <laughs> Interesting names. I wonder like where they come from. I don't know, but just looking at them, they look very Hebrewish. You think? Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good guess. <laughs> from there out, there is a whole series of events that we're not going to get into. okay basically they have to overcome the curse i haven't actually read it and honestly probably won't even though it sounds super interesting (laughs) it actually does i didn't know what it was about me my adhd definitely wouldn't let me read it though because i could barely read the scarlet letter oh i see you know the english yeah the old english stuff Mm -mm, not working I want to see you try to read Outlander. So I don't want to. <laughs> oh, my friend Brittany recommended Outlander and I was reading it, but you know, I have a million other book related things I'm supposed to be doing at the moment. So that's the newest audible book I got was to listen to it. And I'm so relieved to listen to it instead of trying to figure out what they're saying <laughs> because it's got it's scottish like heavy scottish oh and old english so i'm like it's easier to hear it like i know what they're saying when she reads it out loud but there was literal words in there that i had to sit and decipher what they mean you had to sit there and say it in a scottish accent yeah i was like well not even that it's just words that didn't make sense in the context that they were being used and so the more I read it the more I was like oh okay so when they say this word (laughs) this is what they mean 
Yeah. See, I started to read Clockwork Orange and they have a whole other like language that they use in substitution for other words. And I couldn't get past the first paragraph. Like it took me like 20 minutes to sit there and be like, okay, so this word is this word and this word is this word and this word is this word. (laughs) So then every time I would read this word again, I would have to say, okay, this is this word. And I was like, this is tiring. I am not doing it. I'll just watch the movie. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't. I've never read the book, but I've watched the movie. I didn't know it's written in English or. It's written in English. It's just weird. Like they made up a bunch of words. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll avoid that. (laughs) Anyway, equally as interesting and probably the other half of the inspiration for Nathaniel's book was his great-grandfather, William Hawthorne. William was a Puritan brought over on John Winthrop's Arabella. He was super against Quakers. He was referenced as a bitter prospector. That's not right. That's supposed to say bitter prosecutor. Oh, I was like, <laughs> he's a prospector. All right. He's a judge, but he's also a prospector. Oh, okay. Yeah. He has two jobs. Bitter prosecutor. Right. And was known for dragging a half-naked Ann Coleman from her home for a public whipping. Fucked up. (laughs) Okay. All because she was a Quaker. Wow. Even better, he passed on his awesomeness to his son. Of course he did. Colonel John Hawthorne. (laughs) He was a prosecutor in the Salem witch trials. Oh, so we know how awesome he was. Oh, yeah. So awesome. (laughs) He was even involved in the infamous case surrounding Sarah Good, Sarah Osborne, and Tituba. He helped to find over 100 women guilty and would even travel to the gallows to watch the hangings. Did he have a nice death? I don't know. I hope not. I hope it was horrible. Never said anything. Well, we'll talk about that in a second. Okay. (laughs) It is said that before being hanged, one of the witches put a curse on John and his family. I mean, wouldn't you? Hell yeah, I would. I'd be like, fuck you, bitch. (laughs) Well, there's two versions of that. One story is that Sarah Good put a curse on Reverend Nicholas Noyes by saying, I am no more a witch than you are a wizard. And if you take my life, take away my life, God will give you blood to drink. That's what he was referencing in the the book. Yeah. Supposedly, Nicholas died in 1717, choking on his own blood. Well, coincidence. (laughs) That doesn't even sound like a curse. That just sounded like karma yeah is what she was saying yeah yeah maybe john took the curse to heart and thought it was a blanket curse over everyone involved in the persecution the other story is that the curse came from a man named philip english who john was trying to accuse of witchcraft in doing so the english family lost everything and philip directly blamed john He was trying to blame a man for witchcraft? 
that's what the article made it sound like. The article also said that, oddly enough, later Philip's children or children's children ended up marrying into Nathaniel Hawthorne's family. But I looked at Nathaniel Hawthorne's family tree and I did not see anyone in there named English. So I don't know how Hmm. much I believe that. But someone in Philip English's family was getting accused of witchcraft. Okay. Cursor no, the family did lose money and their high society identity. Nathaniel's father did die young and they had a hard time getting money together for Nathaniel to go to college. He was also ashamed of his family's past and lived with the guilt of being associated with so many deaths. It is also said that because of this, Susanna, the cousin, encouraged him to add the W back in Hawthorne to help distinguish him from William and John. I, I, you know, that's actually really good to hear. Yeah. He had some humanity. But back to your question about if John died a horrible death. I don't know if he did, but he did die broke and nobody liked him anymore. Well, there you go. That's horrible to me. That's isolating and cold. Yeah. So is this place haunted? You tell me. The staff, including tour guides, absolutely deny any allegations of it being haunted. Is there a conspiracy there? Is it like the Crescent Hotel where the current owners tell them not to say anything about any paranormal happenings and then one day there will be a new owner that embraces the spooky and wants to make it their identity? Maybe. But till that day, we will have to rely on visitor stories. All right. One common occurrence centers around Nathaniel Hawthorne's cousin, Susan, Susanna, Susan or Susanna. She can be seen roaming the halls or staring out windows. There are the typical reports of objects moving on their own, especially one rocking chair in particular. On TripAdvisor, yeah, I went to TripAdvisor too. I was going to say, good source. (laughs) I found a comment from Jerry Gray that said, I actually visited the House of the Seven Gables back in 1984 with my first husband. The tour of the house was enjoyable and very informative. However, for us, the highlight of the tour was witnessing a rocking chair in the attic rocking back by itself. Ooh, that'd be cool. (laughs) At first, we thought it had been rigged as part of the tour, even though the tour guide and most of the group had already left the room. But when we inspected it closely, we found no wires or strings or anything that could have caused the chair to move. It was an experience that I'll never forget, and I hope to someday return to the House of Seven Gables and visit whoever or whatever sat in the rocking chair. Me too. I want to (laughs) go. There is a secret stairway that had been put in during one of the many renovations. By the way, I don't mention this, but the house started out as just two rooms. And then the Turner family was like, we have money. And they built a whole bunch of crap on it. Wow. Including the secret stairway. Nice. I want a secret stairway in my (laughs) ranch style house. Yeah. (laughs) 
on the secret staircase, there have been reports of a man shambling up and down. People try to connect it to the Underground Railroad, but the house was never a stop and the stairs weren't even put in until half a century after the Civil War had ended. Personally, (laughs) I think it sounds like a previous owner coming home drunk and it imprinted his residual energy on the staircase. I could totally see that. If he was an alcoholic, especially. He probably did it all the time. Falling up and down the stairs. <laughs> the place with the most reported activity by far is the attic. Many reports claim there is a playful child spirit that lives up there. It's suggested that it's one of Nathaniel Hawthorne's kids, specifically Julian. However, Julian didn't die as a kid, and it wasn't thought that he had visited the home enough to really get an attachment. Hmm. At one point, the attic was servant quarters, so the child could have belonged to one of them. That makes more sense. Yeah. The activity most heard in the area is footsteps and giggling. There was a guy named Chris that visited the house to take the tour in 2006 with his girlfriend. They were coming down the attic stairs when he heard a woman go, shh in his ear (laughs) gross he turned thinking his girlfriend was messing with him but she was still about four feet behind him oh yeah so the overall feel in the attic is unease rod l commented about this on TripAdvisor again (laughs) i cut out the first part because he was just talking about his trip and like wanting to go back or something so i'm starting it halfway through it says the attic itself was cold with one section cordoned off i stood looking directly into this section which included a chair and a makeshift mattress on the floor a window at the far end looked out onto the bay and as our guide spoke My eyes traveled over the chair and the mattress, and suddenly I had a very, all caps, strong, distinct impression that someone was lying on the mattress looking up at us. Of course, I saw no one, but the feeling couldn't be denied. Afterwards, when my sister and I were outside, I told her what I'd felt. She felt nothing. To this day, I have absolutely no doubt that place was haunted. It wasn't a scary feeling, but there was a sense of sudden displacement that while I stood there, I found myself entering into a kind of strange netherworld. I have never had this feeling before. Creepy. So that sounds disturbing. (laughs) Very disturbing. A netherworld? Yeah. I went to hauntedplaces.org. All right. Yeah. I was disappointed this time. They have a 92% haunted rating. Okay. Super high. But they don't let you see how many people have voted for that. And I just feel like it's probably not very many. There were, don't think? There were zero comments and zero pictures. So I'm thinking that not too many had voted because if you voted for it, like, this is haunted 
sometimes you know you'd say why okay (laughs) i don't think i've ever seen comments on there really i almost always get firsthand stories from there maybe i'm just not looking because i don't know i've never noticed i just look at you just look at the percentage and and go off (laughs) yeah you have to scroll down a little bit (laughs) oh should have done that (laughs) also how can a place have such a high haunted rating and barely any personal stories and a full staff denying anything spooky Hmm? it reminds me of um the church that I did in Texas that I did in conjunction with the Alamo mm-hmm. where they were like not, there was nothing mm-hmm. but were people there- who went there said there was things it's a conspiracy they don't want you to think it's haunted so because everything is so hush hush about potential hauntings at the house of seven gables I moved on goodbye house of seven gables yeah but I did accidentally like super accidentally stumble upon seven gables road in dunsville michigan oh ever heard of that nope (laughs) sure have not now this place has got a story located 25 miles southeast of lansing is the most haunted road in michigan calling it a road is a little off-putting actually a dirt road with a dead end at the at a red gate okay to a farm no so from the gate it's only accessible by foot and it enters into like a wildlife preserve yeah okay the author of haunted lansings jen carpenter has this to say of the area the area is traversable only by foot and is overrun by rattlesnakes, coyotes, and many believe by something else. An evil presence that can't be explained. Rattlesnakes are enough to keep me away <laughs> by themselves. No, you just wear those boot, not boots. Well, you probably want boots, but they also have those snake guards that you put on your feet or your calves. Have you ever seen those? I did not know that was a thing, but here in Colorado, we could use that. It's like a Kevlar vest for your calves. Wow. Yeah. That's tough stuff. Josh Gates uses them all the time. (laughs) I I, uh, believe you on that, (laughs) what he does. Jen Carpenter also says that she has visited she's visited the area many many times and has never had a boring time there one memorable time she mentions she had just turned her phone's camera on and started recording when a mist ran by her she saw it with her eyes and the camera creepy but she specifically said ran which is very interesting way to describe mist I know, I was just thinking that, like, so was it in human form, or did it just, like, whoosh? Maybe? I don't know. She didn't go into details. The local legend for this area is about a witch that lived there. One day, she was trapped in her home by local villagers and burnt to death. Yeah. (laughs) 
Before dying, she put a curse on the land. Legend also has it that if you are on her side of the gate and you hear a woman scream, the last person over the gate will die in three days. That sounds like a game. (laughs) Last one over the gate dies. (laughs) Christopher Greenshield has been coming to the area for over 30 years. Wow. One time when camping late into the night about 2 a.m., his party heard the scream of a woman. They couldn't see any signs of other people in the area. Christopher didn't say whether or not someone in the party died three days later, though. Hmm. But since he's so excited to tell the story, I don't think so. Yeah, I was going to say, if he didn't mention it, I would assume not, because if someone did die, I'd be like, holy shit, it was real. (laughs) But, you know, hearing a scream in the middle of the night, I'm sure that was uh, pretty creepy. Yeah. Or it could have been a fox. That's what I think every time someone says they hear a woman scream. Same. <laughs> like, oh, no, it was a fox, you crazy. <laughs> Years after the witch had placed the curse, a family had built a home on the land. Not long after they moved in, the father started to go a little crazy. Supposedly, he killed every member in his family by hanging them from the gables of his house. Wow. Yeah. Then he set the house on fire and hung himself in what is known today as the hanging tree. Not good. No, not good. Bad times. Bad times all around. Mm -hmm, For everyone. Yeah. Christopher and Jen joined Gary Gerke, the founder of Michigan Area Paranormal Association. So MAPA. (laughs) and cat ryan a psychic medium for a little late night investigation the article that i was reading for this has a video posted and you can watch it i didn't i kind of skipped through it the quality didn't seem very great and there was a lot of standing around so you know oh yeah but you can go watch it if you want to Otherwise, I'll just tell you what the article says happened in the video right now. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Yeah. Before I do that, Kat Ryan had something quick to say about the area. She said, he said, I don't really know. Every time I come out there, I pick up on different spirits. There have been nights I didn't want to be out here because I knew we're being watched. So shortly into the investigation, Kat said they were feeling icky. Okay, were they sick? I don't think so. I I think it was just the area was making them feel icky. Not good vibes. Yeah. That's the first time in a paranormal investigation I've heard of someone saying they're icky, though. It honestly reminds me of something my mom would say if she were on a paranormal investigation. She'd be like, I feel icky. (laughs) That would be fun. (laughs) They also noticed two shadow people standing a ways up the path. They're just chilling. You can't see it in the video, but that is what is said. Okay. A little later, 
Gary says he saw a flash of light near the tree line. Again, can't really see anything. They get to the hanging tree and Gary says, we'd always take pictures of this tree and absolutely none of the pictures would turn out. About six or seven years ago, this big limb. Oh yeah, this big (laughs) appendage. This big limb finally succumbed and broke off the tree. Every time we have been back there since, we've taken pictures of that tree and they have turned out. They maybe the limb was possessed. Well, the big limb he was referring to was said to be where the father had hung himself. Ooh, okay. Spooky. Very. So does that mean that when the limb fell off, the father was able to like leave the tree and now he's attached to wherever that limb is or is he laying on the ground or did he finally go on to the afterlife what happened to him i would like to believe that he was released from the the tree limb and went wherever you go okay after he didn't stay with the tree limb then and turn into mulch or something (laughs) hopefully not but maybe if they turned it into mulch he would have been released that way or burned. Or maybe he's lining a playground right now. Maybe. That's sad. <laughs> that was really messed up. I apologize. <laughs> At the end of the investigation, Cat Ryan took some photos with her phone and swears she caught orbs. Now, mm-hmm. you know how we feel about orbs. And the picture... That was posted just proves it. If you know anything about taking pictures, yes, this is the the photo I showed you, Sam. Okay, I was like, (laughs) oh, is it this photo? If you know anything about taking pictures, you know that if you point a camera at a light, you will get a light lens flare. And usually with the lens flare, you will get little green balls. And this is what they were calling the orbs. Shame for shame. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds like they've been doing this for a while. So you would think they'd know the difference. But we will post the picture and you can decide for yourself. You can decide by knowing that it's a lens flare. (laughs) There's no question about it. I am not a camera person. I don't know anything about a camera. Amy is a camera person and knows (laughs) lots of things about cameras. Both of us on either side of the spectrum can agree that it is a lens flare. (laughs) Yes, it is. But if it is not, I have caught so many ghosts and on purpose. (laughs) Well, I mean, of course they would be attracted to you. True. You're a spooky bitch. Yeah, I'm pretty awesome. But I guess I don't know that the psychic says that they're orbs. Okay. Well, (laughs) anyway, go look at it yourself. During their investigations, though, they did bring up two actual murders where the bodies were found close by. 
So I'm going to tell you a little bit about them. They both have to do with children. Oh, no. The first one is bad, but not that bad. But the second one is like bad. So just a trigger warning. If you need to bounce, get on out of here. We'll see you next time. But it is really short. So come back. Okay. (laughs) Can I bounce? (laughs) (laughs) No. Damn. All right. In Lansing, Michigan, Lori Merningham, the Lansing mayor's daughter, was at her mother's shop when a man came to rob them. He struck Lori's mother in the head with the pistol. In doing so, his gun accidentally discharged. The robber freaked out thinking he had killed her and grabbed what money he could, an estimated 60 to $80. Wow. Yeah. And grabbed Lori and left. Lori's mother was just unconscious, and when she woke, she called the police and an investigation was started. Eleven days later, two boys found Lori's body along the road near Barnes and Meridian Road. I measured it on Google. It's about two miles from the entrance of Seven Gables Road. She appeared to have been shot in the head. Lori's mom had identified the murderer in mugshots, but the guy's mother had given him an alibi. And then when it came to a lineup, she couldn't positively identify him because he had shaved his goatee. So the- Honestly, that doesn't seem like it would make a big difference, but oh, it does. It does. <laughs> so the murderer got away. Wow. The same man was arrested for other kidnappings, but never convicted. Seriously? Yeah. How many so- how many times can you be convicted of kidnapping? He wasn't convicted. He was oh. arrested. Well, how many times can you be charged for kidnapping? And not get a conviction. <laughs> what is this man doing with kids? I have no idea. The last thing known about him was that he was living in a homeless shelter. Mm. And then he just kind of disappeared. Mm. Now for the rough story. In two- <laughs> Sorry, I had to take a breath to get my wits yep. about me. Yep. Grab onto the desk. In 2005, Ricky Holland was reported missing by his father, Tim Holland. Tim and Lisa, the mother, were begging for information on their missing child. A huge search party consisting of police, firefighters, other families, police dogs, dive teams, even two helicopters was set up. Red Cross even came in to help feed all of the searchers. The county sheriff, Gene Rigglesworth, <laughs> said it was humbling. <laughs> That's a cute name. Yeah, I definitely put that sentence in there just so I could say his name. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much immediately, suspicions about the parents started to come to light. Oh, no. Many neighbors had reported that before Ricky had gone missing, they would find him in their kitchens eating. Oh, my God. (laughs) When they found him, he would beg for them not to tell his mother and would complain about her not feeding him. Oh, my God. Tearing up. (laughs) 
That's horrible. Told you it was a bad one. The police interviewed neighbors about the kitchen incidences. Incidences? Yeah. And teachers that said all he would bring for lunch was carrots. Eventually, they got to Tim and convinced him to take them to the body. Tim ended up pleading guilty to second-degree murder and received a sentence of 30 to 60 years in prison. He told them that he had seen Lisa hit Ricky in the back of the head with a hammer, and the next week, Ricky had acted very lethargic, yet Lisa wouldn't seek medical attention. What do you think is going to happen? Well, how do you think he's going to act when you hit him in the back of the head with a hammer? One week after the hit, Ricky had died, and Tim mm-hmm. put him in a trash bag and dumped his body in a field. How old was he? Seven. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought, but that's... Um, yeah. Ugh. Tim testified against Lisa, and Lisa was sentenced to life for first-degree murder and first-degree child abuse. The location that Ricky's body had been dumped, the field, was within the wildlife area, and it was only about a mile away from the opening of Seven Gables Road. Wow. Well, fuck her. Yeah. Fuck him. It should have been, I don't know. Um, <laughs> goodbye. I don't want, I don't like them. Yeah, that, that one is the worst that we've told i think yeah with these two more recent events the family that was killed by their father and the legend of the witch placing the curse on the land i'd say this place has got a bit of bad juju that's so funny i was gonna say yeah it's got some bad juju so between the two one place that had the idea of being super haunted but no one to really attest to it Versus a dead end road in the middle of nowhere with at least a few people who have dedicated decades of their lives to visiting and documenting experiences they've had. Which one would you say is more likely to be haunted? Going with the road, bro. It'd be really cool if it was the House of Seven Gables. It would. But uh, there's nothing to support that. Nope. So do you have any thoughts on these stories? The people are really lame. Which people? Both. Not, not which people. Not which. Not witches. Not witches. They're not lame. Yeah. No, but in both stories, there were some very lame people. Yeah, some some really not good people. Mm-hmm. I would love it if the House of Seven Gables was haunted. Me too. I still want to go there. Me too, but I wonder why they're so adamant that it's not. I don't know. They just don't. I think they, like another company, does do like ghost tours there. Or at least they made it seem like they do, but I don't think that the staff is involved with those. Okay. That's just interesting to me. Yeah. Clearly people think it's haunted. But the people who work there every day don't think it's haunted. Some people think it's haunted. I could 
barely find any stories of people having experiences other than those trip advisor ones hmm. and chris with his girlfriend <laughs> and chris <laughs> so what about the weird shitometer the road i give like a 7 7.5 wow. because obviously some real messed up stuff happened the house is having cables i mean i'm gonna give it a four Mm -hmm. maybe a three yeah i'm going pretty low with this one as well maybe i would give like a two for the house and a four for the road the history of the house is pretty cool and nathaniel (laughs) hawthorne's family history was not what i was expecting so that saved it from being one uh i still want to visit like i said it is so pretty the road seemed pretty average with just like a bit of oh my god to it so that's why it's getting a four I mean, yeah, I could see that. And I guess I'm going to have to move mine down to a four also for the road because I was thinking about it and you don't know for sure if those horrible child deaths really have anything to do with the area itself. None of the actual deaths were in the area that we know of. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to move it down to to a four. So... What do you guys think? Which one do you pick as the most haunted? Do you have any experiences at the House of Sabin? House of Sabin Gables? (laughs) (laughs) At the House of Seven Gables? That would change my mind. What about Seven Gables Road? And don't forget to tell us your other weird shit. Tell us about the time that you did a body switch with a murderer and had to escape custody to go save a bunch of people in a church from getting eaten by vampires. And don't forget to tell us about the time you and your sisters were awakened to your witchy power and then immediately had to figure out how to vanquish your first demon. Mm -hmm. And what about that time you and your talking cat flew the tiniest rocket up someone's nose and had to make them sneeze to escape? (laughs) That's my favorite part. Um, If you'd like to do that, you can write us at our uh, website. This is Legend Pod at, nope, thisislegendpod.com. We have a form you can fill out, which makes it super easy. And you can also listen to our episodes, see our pictures and our sources. Or you can write us directly at thisislegendpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on our Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at This Is Legend Pod. Keep it spooky, classy, and sassy. But most of all, keep it legendary. Bye. Adios.